One, zero. All engines running. Commit. Liftoff. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Tuesday, May 9th. Hard to believe. We're just pressing right on into 2023, almost halfway through. And uh, I'm glad you've joined us today. Uh, whether you're listening after the program, uh, when it airs every day in the evening, or every evening, right, Jeremy, at 11, I think. I think it, uh, from 11 to 12, is uh, we have our recording of this. Or you can go to SWATradio.com and listen uh, to any past program. Uh, James, uh, who takes care of that for us, is good about putting that up. And uh, I'm glad that uh, he does that. And so it's a great uh, way just to uh, share truth. And it's a good platform for us. And we're thankful that you can join us today um, because Brad is out. I'm uh, happy to have Nick Likas in the studio. Nick, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Nick helps lead the Mandarin group uh, of SWAT, and um, it's a good group down there. And, and uh, this week, Nick, is the last week of SWAT for the semester. We run on a school-type semester basis, and um, this we're having a, a, a just one big meeting tomorrow here. So if you're listening and you haven't signed up, uh, you can join us from 12 to 1 at the Salem Center 7235 Bentley Road, and uh, we're finishing up Acts 28. It seems like a long time ago we started, right? It does. It does. <laughs> was this uh, at the end of the second year? Yes, it yeah. is. Uh, four semesters of teaching through, but boy, has it been rich. You yes. know, thinking all the way back to the, the first part of Acts, uh, the birth of the church, you know, it is the continuation of the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the apostles that we see in Christ and Luke. Luke just continued on how the church was born. It really, it's about the, the the early church and the life of the church and how the how the gospel got from Jerusalem to Rome, which was pretty much the center of the universe as far as the world was concerned, because uh, Rome was really over every. They were the the superpower, right? Right. And so, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a great study. And uh, today we're going to finish up. Uh, well, we're going to look, not finish up. We're going to uh, press further into uh, chapter 28. And uh, But before we do, if you're just tuning in, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And usually the way the program runs is the first segment. We always talk about something or things going on in the news and then uh, the second, third segment is usually pressing into the teaching. Uh, this And today we're going to be looking at Acts 28, 11 through 14. And then the last segment, we kind of just kind of close it off, conclude everything, and then you're welcome to call in with questions. Uh, actually, during the first segment or the fourth segment, you're welcome to call in with questions. And uh, Jeremy will take your call and uh, if you want to make a comment you can make a comment or if you just have a question we'd love to answer and, and the reason Nick we started doing the whole question thing is I remember going to Russia and preaching over there and um, and and I had been to a service where a, a a speaker a Christian minister 
actually allowed people just to raise their hand in the middle of the service. And I'd never seen anything like that. And I go, wow, that's really cool. Uh, and people would stop and they would just deal with it. And I thought, wow, how cool is that? Now, I know on a Sunday it would be chaos, and especially if, if you have thousands of people doing that. But in this format, we can, we can deal with it. And sometimes we can't have long discussions, but we can certainly get the idea out there. And I think it's good to have that kind of interaction, don't you? Yeah, I do. I do. I remember attending a uh, church in Newark, New Jersey. Um, they were a uh, startup, and, and uh, the pastor there, you know, it was a small church that had maybe 30 people, and he, he wanted that kind of interaction with, with the, the body. Mm-hmm. So they were allowed to raise their hand and ask questions, and mm-hmm. they would raise their hand and ask questions and ask the pastor to explain something in greater detail or to contribute if they had something on their hearts. Uh, and it was, I think, a true enrichment for that body. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to you know, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak through multiple people as well as the pastor mm-hmm. and just to see where he would take that entire conversation. That being said, they didn't always finish after the, the hour and a half time that <laughs> yeah. was allotted for their worship service. Yeah. That, that should be noted. Yeah, that that's the way it works sometimes, and you don't get to push through everything. Well, um, there was a guy named David Brooks who wrote an article for a magazine and he uh, basically was talking about two approaches to life. And, you know, a lot of people have different thoughts about this, but the way this guy broke down the way we approach life on a day-to-day basis is autonomy-based, which means what? I'm in control. He uses the term gift-based. I like the term God-based. I mean, he, he's saying the same thing uh, because... When he talks about uh, autonomy base, he says, I possess myself. I'm a piece of property um, that I own. Because I possess the rights to me and my property, I can do anything I want with my property. My life is a project that I'm creating. Nobody else has the right to tell me how to build or dispose of the one life that I have. That's autonomy-based life, you know, approach. Now, when you think about his approach, that is the basis for abortion, uh, the sexual revolution, uh, the, the redefinition of genders, right? Um, the whole euthanasia movement. All those is basically under the autonomy-based, I control my life. But people really don't believe that in every situation even the people that want that in those areas yeah if you went to them and said listen um i don't like the way you're looking at me and punch them they wouldn't like that well why do you differentiate that from what they said you know you know what i'm saying see they do draw lines everybody draws lines of standards the problem is who determines those standards, which I like what he calls the gift-based living. I call it the God-based. It, it, it starts with this attitude of I'm a receiver of the life that I have. It's a gift, and I'm part of a bigger picture of humanity. And because of that, I get certain gifts and I have different experiences that allow me to pass on a quality of value and uh, a quality of uh, encouragement, a quality of 
of love to other people and and not just pursue my own happiness but to pursue the happiness of the greater good for all and um, the essential activity of that life is to realize that the gifts we've been given by those who've gone before us whether it's freedom whether it's um, um, you know monetary um, gain whatever it is is to help those who come after me not for my own consumption and that is really what the bible teaches us isn't it when it says love god with all your heart soul mind and strength and then love your neighbor uh, it says as yourself that the meaning behind that is really is because he's like you and so when we seek to love people i got a chance this morning to go share at my grandson's school bunch of second graders and i'm sitting there talking to them and those children even though they're all only seven years old understood truth at this moment they're still at a stage where i talk to them about gravity and what what if i say i believe this won't happen and they said no it's not true and i said why and and the cool thing was when i was talking to him i said is it okay for you to believe something different than me and us be okay with each other? And they go, yes, all of the kids said that. And I was just sitting there looking at them thinking, what happens between 7 and 27? You know, all these different influences come in. And I was telling them about going to the former Soviet Union. And in the former Soviet Union, they don't believe in a creator. There's some, but I'm talking about the government. They could care less what the creator says. The government is supreme in their mind. And, and, I, and I used to go over there and teach about the core of who we are is what we believe about truth. And if you believe the wrong thing, it's going to take you down a wrong path. And wouldn't you say that's where we are as a country? I, I would. I would definitely say that. I was listening to a video, uh, uh, the audio of a video, um, uh, just uh, yesterday. Um, <clears throat> I believe the uh, the person speaking, her name is uh, Christine Anderson. She's a politician in Germany. Uh-huh. Uh, and she was talking about the uh, European Union and World Economic Forum and what their plans are going forward. She's obviously, you can tell from the context of the video, she's not in favor of those plans. <laughs> yeah. She's definitely someone who's, who's standing against them. But she's literally talking about how they are trying to take away our identity in in just about every capacity you could think of. You know, whether it's our identity, uh, um, you know, within within nation, whether it's in Christianity, um, even our sexual identity, whether or not we would identify ourselves as a Which man or woman. Which is probably the most basic identity we have, right? Exactly. exactly. It's the one identity that from birth you really don't have much <laughs> doubt, with the very rare exception um, you have no doubt of, of what that is. And it's really insane that now people are going back and changing birth certificates not based on reality nope. but based on delusion yes and it was treated as a delusion a, a, a delusion under the DSM manual for years up until the big sexual revolution and a lot of progressive liberal people pressured them to change those uh, designations in fact, if you go back and you look at um, shows that were on TV back in the 70s and 80s, even as late as the 90s, 
you will see that um, the whole idea of progressive liberalism and sexuality is something that was not embraced to only recently, I would say in the last 20 years or so, except on the fringe, right? It's, it's never was mainstream, but now everybody's pushing it mainstream and they, they, if they will, I mean, until as you, if you're a believer out there, it is not loving to affirm delusion or to affirm something that's not biblically true. That's never loving to do that. And unfortunately, a lot of people wield the the cancel culture. They wield the exclusion from family uh, card. If you don't speak the way they think you ought to speak. And that was never the way the freedom of this country was designed. God gave us a great gift to be able to disagree, but be civil. But now we've lost that in a lot of ways. And so you're vilified. And I was telling these young kids this morning, I said, listen, even if people mistreat you, you respond to them with good. You respond to them with good because that is, is the way to have strong character because you learn that you can be stronger than other people because it's weak people that bully other people. It's not strong people. And a lot of those people that are bullying are hurt people. They've been hurt in their life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So, hey, well, listen, uh, boy, we went off on that uh, social, cultural thing uh, there, but... Uh, it's, it's a good thing. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to be right back with uh, Acts 28. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 14, talking about God calls his leaders to a love for his sheep. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. Nick Likas is joining me today, and we'll be right back after the break. Stay tuned. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual warriors and spreading his truth. You are invited to participate in a broadcast ministry of First Conservative Baptist Church with Dr. Gene A. Youngblood. And let's face the issues. This program allows you, the listener, to call in and ask your questions about current issues. Dr. Youngblood deals with moral, ethical, and political issues that face our culture and the church. Tune in every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. on 91.7 for expository preaching by Dr. Gene A. Youngblood. Dr. Youngblood is the pastor-founder of First Conservative Baptist Church and the founder-president of Conservative Theological University. Let's Face the Issues can be heard daily on 91.7, 91.3, and 91.9. At 11.30 a.m., don't miss these relevant broadcasts. Invite others to tune in also. SWAT Radio is underwritten in part by The Guardian Group. 
You know Brad Sykes as co-host of SWAT Radio. While Brad is committed to making disciples both on and off the air, his ministry extends into the marketplace as a licensed real estate agent with Keller Williams Southside. Brad and his wife Vicki are real estate agents in Northeast Florida. They are the founding partners of The Guardian Group. They help people buy, sell, and invest in real estate with offices near Butler and Southside Boulevards. 904-580-7255. That's 904-480-7255. And online at guardiangroupjacks.com. That's guardiangroupjacks.com. The Guardian Group. Happy to bring you SWAT Radio on The Truth. 91 FM, The Truth. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing back. Stood on this stage night after night. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It is Tuesday, May 9th. And uh, if whether you're listening in Mississippi on WMER or WMOX or on the Lighthouse up in Virginia or on the Truth in Jacksonville up in Folkestone, Georgia, St. Augustine, or through our SWAT app or through the SWATradio.com website. We're happy to have you today. We're going to be looking at Acts 28, uh, verses 11 through 14 today. Just as a quick recap, Paul is in Rome now. We he, Yesterday, uh, we saw him. Well, actually, he's not in Rome yet. <laughs> we're, we're getting him there in this text today. But um, we covered verses 1 through 10 of chapter 28. In chapter 28, Paul gets to Rome. Remember, he was on a shipwreck. And yesterday, we looked at this idea that God calls his leaders to a life of service. Paul gets to Malta, that little island, 476 miles away from Cotta, which is where they left. And remember, they were in a storm for two weeks, a nor'easter, like a hurricane-type storm that destroyed their ship, but in that, God raised Paul up, and uh, he went from being the prisoner, and he was he was a prisoner, but he became the leader and helped encourage people. He was a light to those in darkness, and when they got to Malta, he could have just kicked back, but he didn't. He was out there serving. He was out there picking up wood to put on a fire because it was cold, and remember when he was doing that, he got bitten by a snake, a viper, it says. And we said, sometimes bad things happen when you're serving or you're doing good things for God. Just because you're serving God, contrary to what some people teach, it doesn't mean that you won't have these kind of hardships. And uh, we talked about that yesterday. And the islanders, at first, when they saw him, they were thinking he was going to swell up and die because that had what happened to other people who had gotten bitten. But um, it didn't happen to Paul. And when it didn't happen, they thought he was a god, just like in Lystra. And so uh, they uh, basically, uh, I, I guess, tried to make him a god. And he, I'm sure he responded like he did in Lystra. 
Uh, but then we saw him heal Publius's father, who was sick. And not only him, but the rest of the people on the island who were sick came, and he healed them. And Paul was just constantly serving. And we talked about John 13, how Jesus said, listen, if I, your master, serve, then you need to go do it. And it's not just washing feet. It was just at that moment when they entered in that room to celebrate Passover, nobody stooped to do the lowest job of cleaning the feet of the people in there. And Jesus did. He stepped up. He says, listen, if I, your master, do this, you do this. He says, you go serve. Well, that's where we are. And the people there, you can bet if Paul was on that island for three months, and that's what it says he was, they uh, heard the gospel. And their response in verse 10 says they were grateful. They honored Paul and his friends and provided for their trip. Well, what I've seen over the years is people who have a positive response to the gospel, usually, usually, those people want to give back to the person that shared the gospel with them. So it would appear like this might have been the basis for the church at Malta. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so now Paul is getting ready to leave Malta, and he's going to sail away and finally get to Rome. And I'm going to let Nick Lakus, I mispronounced it, that's on me. It's not Lakus, it's Lakus, L-E-K-A-S, uh, I want uh, Nick to read verses 11 through 14. And remember, that's the backdrop that I just shared. They're leaving Malta, and he's going to Rome. And listen to what God's Word says in verses 11 through 14. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day a south wind sprang up, and on the second day we came to Petoli. There we found brothers, and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And so we came to Rome. Two years in the making. Two years. Paul was hoping to get there. And Paul finally gets to Rome. It took two years but in God's timing, he got there. Well, let's look at these verses. Um, next, starting in verse 11, it says that Paul left after three months uh, on a ship of Alexandria. Remember, Alexandria was the port of Egypt. Right. And it, Egypt was where Rome got most of their wheat. So this was another wheat ship. It wasn't a, a cruise liner. It was a cargo ship. And so this one, I find it interesting that it says with the twin gods as a figurehead. If you look in most Bibles, it'll have a little footnote there. And you go down to the footnote at the bottom and it'll say Castor and Pollux, P-O-L-L-U-X. Castor and Pollux were the patron gods of navigation and safety on the sea. And the, these two gods were worshipped by sailors who believed that they would protect them from storms and shipwrecks. Now, when you read the scriptures, there's always meaning or significance when something is written down, especially a detail. 
And one of the questions you always want to ask when you see a city, a number, a name, why is this here and what does it mean? Like, what, what, what's the significance of this? Is it somewhere else in the text, or is there something historically about this? Now, Castor and Pollux were worshipped by sailors to protect them from storms and shipwrecks. What just happened to all 276 people that got on this ship? A shipwreck. If this person who owned this ship put them on there, guess what? Uh, they probably were superstitious and believed that these two figureheads on the ship made them safe. Do you think maybe it was an opportunity for all 276 people that got on to talk about what happened and the God who really made them safe on the other ship that left, the ship that got splintered? I don't believe any of these are coincidences or, or it's an insignificant thing when he writes that with the twin gods. These things are here. Luke is putting this down, and it's always a temptation, I'm sure, for the sailors that were with, with Paul on the 276 or even the Roman soldiers to get on and think, okay, we have the twin gods here. And they probably quickly forgot about the fact that Paul – it's Paul's God, Yahweh, was the one that saved them, right? How easy we forget, right, Nick? We do. I mean, we can see God bring us through a hurricane. Think about what happened. A hurricane battered their ship on a, you know, a sandbar. All the boat was destroyed, and they all went ashore, and not one of them died in the process. Yeah. And, and yet, here we see Castor and Pollux on this ship, as a reminder that they're going right back out in the world. And what does 1 Peter 2, 9 say? God has called you out of darkness to send you back into the darkness. He's called you into the marvelous light to then go back as his ambassadors. And so they're going right back onto a ship where they all can be ambassadors because there's a lot of people, Nick, that believe that all the people on that ship were saved. I mean... When you stop and think about it, I mean, to see what they saw, to see and hear Paul, and then have Paul lead them, and it said they all were encouraged by Paul. That's right. So there's a lot of people that think Paul led everybody on Christ, to Christ. In fact, they believe when he broke bread, it was communion. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So anyway, that's just verse 11, all right? Uh, verse 12 says they put in at Syracuse, uh, which is uh, really on the island of Sicily down there off, off the coast, and, and they sailed to Regium on the toe of Italy. If you know Italy has the boot, right? Regium's on the toe over there. And um, so now they're in Italy, and it says after one day a south wind sprang up. South wind, good or bad, remember? It was good. A south wind is a good wind, right? right? It's a gentle wind, and it gives you a, 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 an ability to go. It's not the nor'easter destructive wind. It was that smooth south wind. And then it said, on the second day, we came to Puteoli. Now, Puteoli was uh, about 145 miles to the north, I'm sorry, the southwest of Rome. 
and it was on the Bay of Naples. It had a large Jewish population, and and at uh, Pudioli, they offloaded their grain. They were there for seven days, and when we come back from this break, we're going to see how Paul loved the church, and it wasn't just in Pudioli, but in a lot of places, Paul would always be looking for believers. He was looking for believers to build into and to be encouraged by. And uh, we see it in verse 14 where he says, we found something. And when you come back, I'm going to share it with you. All right, we're going to be right back with more of SWAT Radio. Um, I hope you'll stay tuned after the news, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Brant along with Sherry here. And so you hear me doing these spots for MediShare? And Sherry actually helps me with them. I get people actually in person saying, okay, Brant, for real, do you recommend this? Like, yeah, uh, for real, I actually do. I'm not just saying stuff. So family, friends ask me about it. I'm like, yes, you should look into this. It's really a great option for a lot of people. That's what I tell people my experience has been. MediShare has been fantastic for me. Yeah. It's so different from health insurance in a lot of great ways, honestly. Yeah, and see, a lot of people who've switched tell me that. It's the same reaction. They're very, very happy with it, and it gives them peace of mind and saves them a lot of money. I would tell people, look into it. Yep. Uh, So really, for reals, uh, if you want to talk to them, they're great to talk to. I think you'll be impressed and happy you looked into it. So um, you do the phone number. I'm actually tired (laughs) of doing all the phone numbers. Okay. Call now. 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Nice job. Thanks. There's still some delays because of a vehicle on fire in St. John's County on I-95 southbound before State Road 9B. Also, there's a broken down vehicle on I-95 southbound at Dunn Avenue. And there's congestion on I-95 northbound from Bowden Road to University Boulevard. Mostly cloudy tonight, low 69. Wednesday, mostly sunny with a chance of storms, high 85. From the Traffic and Weather Center, I'm AJ. Welcome back to uh, SWAT Radio. That was David Crowder. I love that song. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Nick, uh, so glad to have you in today. And when we went to the break, we're, we were into verse 14, the last verse for today, um, where Paul is in this little town called Pudioli. It even sounds Italian, doesn't it? Pudioli. Anyway, uh, it is a central port of uh, Italy, the Bay of Naples there, and uh, again, about 145 miles southwest of Rome. It says the south wind sprang up, and notice in verse 14, it said that Paul, and the it says in the uh, verse 14, there we, meaning Paul and Luke and Aristarchus, because you can bet it was those three together, because they're mentioned before, we found brothers well to find something 
implies that you're looking for something. I mean, it, they, they found the brothers there, and I was really struck by that. Paul was looking in Rome. You know why? Because Paul wrote the letter to the Romans about three years before this journey. And in that letter, he told them he wanted to come see them. He had heard, remember, when he met uh, Prisca and Aquila, or Priscilla and Aquila, they came from Rome. There were believers in Rome. And uh, Paul knew that if there were believers in Rome, there was a good chance there were believers in Pudioli. And when you have believers in an area, the way it would work back then, because there was no bound copy of all the scriptures. You had scrolls, the parchments. You had the, the, uh, the Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. You had the wisdom scrolls. Um, you had the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, you know, Zechariah. You had those those scrolls of the prophets. But the New Testament letters, even though Paul had written a letter to the Romans three years earlier, it was not part of a nice bound book like we have today. And, and so what they would do is they would take the letter that Paul wrote and it would be circulated around from city to city or church to church. And the, each city was a church. They didn't have... First Baptist uh, Pudioli and First Presbyterian Pudioli and First United Methodist Pudioli. There was only the Church of Pudioli. And so when they had that church, they would bring a letter in uh, that Paul had wrote the Romans, and they would sit down and read the whole letter. It wasn't like some guy would get up and just preach on it. He would read the letter from Paul and then explain what Paul was talking about when people would ask questions. And so Paul was looking for believers because he had a love for God's sheep. Paul had a love for sheep because he was one of God's leaders. God says through his son in John 15, he said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Not as you love each other, but you love like I loved you. In another part of scripture, he says, this is a new commandment I give you that you love one another like I loved you. How did he love us, Nick? Uh, like we've never been loved by anyone else. Uh, unconditionally, um, right? Yeah. It, it, there was, like, we are so built around conditional love. We even as believers, we struggle. Our flesh is so strong. And he said, you know, love one another like I've loved you. Over in Romans 12, the, the, the very letter Paul wrote three years earlier, he says, let love be genuine in verse 9. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Boy, could we use a dose of that today. Indeed. I mean, in the church, in our world, like outdo one another in showing honor. It's so easy for us. 
And and you and I, you know, both know that some of the people that hurt us the most are not the people outside the church. It's the people inside the church. And that's very painful. And that's why I think as we look at the scriptures, you see so many verses in 1 John 4, 7. John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. That listen, we you know, we talk a lot on here about truth and love. Because that you can't only focus on one. You gotta have truth because there is no love without truth. But in God's economy, you can't really have truth without love. His people love. And that's what he wants people to do, to love. And when we talk about sharing the truth in love, it means the motivation for sharing truth with somebody is not to judge them to condemnation, but to bring them back underneath the right, uh, the right place with God. That we should all walk in holiness. That we should walk in a in a relationship with God that is based on His standards. There's a great movement in the country today to say, well, I just believe in Jesus and that's all that matters. Well, if you believe in Jesus, so the demons welcome to the club. James says they believe and they shudder. They're a step ahead of us. They're even fearful of God because they understand the wrath of God. You know, I was reading, I was telling you, I was reading in numbers about there was a group of people that stood up uh, uh, Dathan, Abihu, um, I think it was Abihu, Abiram, I'm sorry, Abiram, and um, and um, Korah. And this is talked about in Judah in the New Testament. That's how significant was Korah's rebellion. 250 people they gathered up to say, Moses, who made you the best servant and priest? Who gave you the authority? And they questioned him. And they, they were just troublemakers. They were prideful men who only cared about their own agenda. They were not looking to God's agenda. They were not questioning in a loving way saying, hey, we don't agree with this. Can we talk about it? They were just judging and they were questioning God's hand on Moses and Aaron. And and Moses says, okay, let me tell you what you do. You go get some censers. We're going to burn some incense tomorrow. We're going to see light a fire and, and we'll see who God puts his hand of favor on, and we'll see who's really his. Well, when they started that, God told Moses and Aaron, hey, you might want to get away from Korah and all those guys because something big's about to happen. And God said, I mean, Moses said, listen, if he takes you in some unique way, unusual way, then you know then we serve the one true living God and we are serving him. Well, God did. He opened up the earth. He swallowed them and their families and covered them up. And then right after that, people started rebelling again. They started bickering and basically uh, complaining to Moses. And what you see there is not a love for people from them, but you know who did have a love for people? Do you know that Moses and Aaron continued to intercede for those people? even when they were doing that because they were God's leaders and God's leaders 
understand that God's called them to a life of service, but he's also called them to a love for the sheep, even when the sheep aren't being kind or obedient. They're supposed to love the sheep. And Paul was always looking. He says, we found brothers. They were there seven days, and it says they invited them in, and they, they, they the believers there showed hospitality. They didn't care that Paul was in chains. You know, throughout Acts, believers showed hospitality throughout the book of Acts. In fact, it is a key mark of a believer to be hospitable. So when you pass by that person on the street corner that's homeless, that's got to sign up, and your tendency is to go, well, you know what? They should they should get a job. Well, maybe they should. It still doesn't mean you should be cruel to them. Uh, they're just going to spend it on drugs, cigarettes, alcohol. It doesn't matter. They're still a human being. And I'm not telling you to give them money, but I am telling you to look at them hospitably, to pray for them. Ask them their name. Roll your window down and say, hey, what's your name? Carry a bottle of water in your car. Uh, you know, carry a Bible in your car. Ask them if they have a Bible. Those kind of things, right, Nick? Hey, you know? My wife carries granola bars. Yeah, granola bars. That's another thing. We are to show hospitality. Well, when we come back, it, you're welcome to call in. I would love for you to call in today on this issue of a love for the sheep. Sometimes it's hard. In fact, I've heard people say, well, I don't go to church because uh, me and God, we just, we're on our own. Well, that's not the way we were designed to be. He says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We are to be together. That's the way he created us. So when we come back, we'd love to hear from you. 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928. Or you can write me at ask at SWATradio.com. That's A-S-K at SWATradio.com. We'll be right back after this last break. Stay tuned. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. Conservative Theological University now offers a bachelor's degree in ministry leadership. This is a 48-hour certified degree program designed for pastors. Ministry workers over 50 years of age with over five years of ministry service call 1-800-GO-BIBLE. Please leave your name and contact info to schedule your personal interview. The CTU campus is located at 12021 Old St. Augustine Road, one mile south of I-295. Joshua 1.9 states, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Highway to Eternity Ministries is dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope. The ministry seeks to serve those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's word and share the encouraging testimonies of lives that have been transformed through God's power and grace. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. 
For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175 or visit www.highwaytoeternity.com. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a proud sponsor of SWAT Radio. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. How is the relationship temperature between you and your girl after disagreement? If her default setting is the cold silent treatment or stonewalling, this could breed an exhausting future of manipulation games between the two of you. One seeks the other's pursuit but isn't willing to come to the middle of the reconciliation bridge. Even if you knew this as normal in your own upbringing, it is far from healthy. Paul warns in Ephesians not to let the sun go down upon your anger. Just as God seeks reconciliation and restoration, pursue the same with your girl. Seek face-to-face conversation and work through the layers of her upset heart, even if it happens at the bedtime hour. You'll both rest better knowing the Lord's peace in each of your hearts. Like what you've heard? Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. The Florida-Georgia Truth Network, on the air in Riverside at 91.7. There I was on death row, guilty in the first degree. Son of God hanging on him Hell was my destiny Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary with Nick Lakus today. And we're in Acts 28. We finished 11 through 14, and we were talking about um, God's leaders um, having a love for his sheep and, you know, I remember, I think it was Tim Lusk. I don't know if it was original with Tim. He's been on here before. Um, that, uh, you know, if you don't like the smell of sheep, you shouldn't be a pastor. Because they can get pretty messy. Um, and, you know, the thing about the sheep is they, sheep are, they're not very smart animals uh, they just kind of follow along and but i find it interesting that that's the analogy used throughout and one of the one of the issues in i think the church in our country uh is that there's been people who said well the shepherd model is no longer relevant for the church in america and they've adopted a ceo model which really was not the model of the early church and it not really any church throughout history. I mean, even if you look as late as Spurgeon, um, Spurgeon was a shepherd to his people. He taught them, but he knew every name of every person and the names of their children, even at the height of the church when it was 6,000 people. Now that, I want you to think about that. That, that, that was amazing that he had that kind of heart for his church for the sheep and um, god calls us to this love for the sheep not just for pastors but for the people but it's easy to get abrased by other sheep you know you can kind of be in the in the flow of life and you can rub each other the wrong way 
when we for, we can forget the one another passages in John or First John, where we're told to love one another, and and this is love. It shows your love for God when you love other people. And just like I read in John 15, where Jesus said, "This is my commandment that you love." It's really not optional for us. No, that's not. Hence the word commandment, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I remember visiting a, uh, a Pentecostal church um, years ago, and I lived in New Jersey still. And uh, that's dangerous. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. They were, they were, they were different. One of the reasons why I wanted to visit is because I was told by a friend of mine who was attending that church that they um, came to a doctrinal change. They ceased believing that um, the gift of tongues was a, a requirement for salvation. Well, that's a good thing. Uh, that was a good thing. So I was immensely curious about this. So yeah. I, I wanted to uh, attend that church, and the church was packed. Um, I mean, it was it was not a big building, admittedly, but I. I I um I want to say they crammed like a good 200 people in there. It okay. was, I mean, there was standing room only. It was it was tight. It was not an air conditioned room. It was a, <laughs> a warm summer morning and it was hot. Yeah. Um, and that pastor. It was um, it was not one of the best speaking experiences I've ever witnessed. Yeah. In fact, it, it may have been one of the worst. And I I looked around that room, and could not believe that like this is the pastor and yet he was not like a good communicator teaching and I, and I, I just sat there like how is it there's such loyalty to attend this church when he is like obviously not a great like speaker and and you know worship service comes to an end um, he brings other people up to close out with a final song and to pray over the body mm-hmm. and he shoots to the back door and I'm I'm you know, kind of watching him go, not understanding what's happening. As I mentioned, that was not a small, it was not a big, it's not a big room. Yeah. It took me more than 45 minutes to get out of that room. Really? He stood in the doorway. No one got by without talking to him. Mm. He knew everybody's name. He knew mm. what was going on in their lives. And he made a point to make sure he talked to everyone who set foot within that church. Mm. I went back the following week. I met him, introduced myself that first week. Following week, same exact pattern. Remembered my name, remembered everything that we discussed. I mean, you, you have to have a true heart and desire and love for people in order to be willing to retain that. I was just a guy visiting. Like, why would he hold on to that information? Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, that was one of the greatest examples I saw of someone who truly loved uh, the Lord's flock. Well, and unfortunately, that is very rare. Uh, it's very rare today because I would say the majority of congregations in our culture, if you ask them if they like the church, that you'll get one of two responses. We have great music. They call it worship, maybe. Um, but we have great music or man, our pastor's funny, or he's really a good communicator. It's funny when I, I read Timothy, first Timothy, when Paul lays out the qualifications for an overseer or Titus, it doesn't say good communicator. It says able to teach, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that you are a dynamic speaker. Yeah. And and to be clear, he, he did not say anything that disagreed with Scripture from what I saw. 
I mean, not not a thing. He he was just someone who he was gifted in pastoral care, you know, more than more than speaking. But he could still teach. Yeah, well, he could I, still I, do it I, again. You know, if if it, it a pastor or a preacher needs to be able to teach, it says that very yeah, clearly in First Timothy, um, you know, two three two, and you know if you um, you go to that 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 word there uh, for teaching is is the word we get didactic from. You know, it it it, it just it actually. Uh, it, it means just to communicate Christian teaching, but it doesn't say to dynamically communicate Christian teaching or to, you know, hilariously teach. It just says teach. And it's, it's a shame. I, re- I remember when John Monger, our friend from Bhutan, first came to the States, he uh, started a church in um, in Austin among refugees simply by teaching about the Word of God, sharing the gospel with people in a little church formed. He didn't go to a church growth camp. He didn't or, or or schooling. Didn't have a lot of teach. He just started sharing the gospel. The people came in every Sunday after the service. You know what he did. He invited the people to his home because they had no food, and he fed them. Mm. 60 people in his one-bedroom apartment. Wow. He's feeding rice and bits of chicken every week because he said they have no food. And I, I, I was blown away by that because he was loving those people, not thinking, okay, I've preached today. Now I'm going to go home and relax. He was thinking these people need to eat, and he, I, I was there when he did it one time, and literally he's talking from person to person to person to person. There was no break for him, and that's what I see in Paul: a life of service. As a leader, you know. Yes, we need times to rest. That's for sure. There's times that we need to pull away. Jesus did, but you know what? Jesus was available. Jesus did not lock himself away. In fact, the one time that I see when the disciples tried to protect him uh, against Bartimaeus, Jesus rebuked them for it. I mean, it was yeah. it was a rebuke. It's like, tell him to come here. You know, they're telling Bartimaeus to be quiet. He's using the, the messianic title, and they're blowing him off. Uh, uh, um, uh, so... Um, anyway, Nick, I just was thinking about that and I was thinking that that was a great story you shared that really goes right along, right along with the Spurgeon stuff. And so if you're out there right now, um, ask yourself this question, do I really love being around God's people or, or there people now I'm not talking about, listen, if some there's um, this is an unfortunate consequence of living in a superficial culture is there's a lot of people that profess a love for God that don't really love God. So I get that. I get the being hurt by people that are are are, are really not in and there's a lot of superficiality in our churches. There is. 
And one of the things that you're going to find is if you are deeply committed to the word of God, if you're deeply committed to loving the sheep and loving God and his word and being a servant, that you are going to push people away that are superficial. Unless those people really want to be true followers. If those are the people that God's drawing, they'll be drawn to you. But if they're content with being superficial, they're going to be driven away and they're not going to you're going to bring conviction in their life by your love for God and his word, right? And for others. So I hopefully uh, if there's somebody in your life who's a sheep that you're not loving, think about how you can strengthen your love for his people. One way is get in the word and and be around people that demonstrate that love. Let them rub off on you a little bit. All right. Hey, Nick, thanks.